The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of REMAX Metro Eastside and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, Remax Metro Eastside. And I'm Eric Osnes from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year right back at ya. It's our second show post-holiday. That's right. You done with your holiday hangovers of spending or food comas or you know any of those things? Pretty mellow, was Uh, it? Yeah, pretty mellow. I think it was pretty mellow for a lot of people. Yeah. You know what I did? Huh? Uh, I watched Die Hard and Die Hard Two while having food and wine on my couch with my animals. There you go. Perfect holiday movies. And and you know what? I didn't even realize I'd never seen Die Hard Two. Oh, it's good. The first one, yeah. that's because the first one, the first one is... first uh, one's great. We had an argument, is or is not Die Hard a, a holiday movie? It is absolutely a holiday absolutely, movie. Absolutely, it's, it's a, a holiday. Christmas movie. It's during a Christmas party. That's right. In fact, I've got a friend that has a sweater that says uh, Nakatomi Plaza Christmas Party 1984. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that's an awesome Could be movie. the suck it to me. That's right. That's yeah. right. So here we are. It's we're we're we've said bye bye, mm-hmm. you know, yes. to twenty twenty. We're, we're get the heck out of here. Yep. See you later. Don't yep. let the door hit in the butt on the way out. That's right. And uh here we are into twenty twenty one. Um let's start what's going on with the housing market. Woo. It's a hot and heavy. Yeah. Yes, very hot and heavy. So you know, I'm constantly looking at what's going on in uh, inventory, right? And mm-hmm. so just this week was looking at some of the seven-day elements about new listings compared to pendings and solds and all of that. And what I thought was really interesting, so the inventory continues to drop. And while interest rates continue to be wonderfully low mm-hmm. uh, and nice affordable you know, rates, uh, the activity of the buyers out there is just unbelievable. Now, granted during the holidays, has it gone down a little bit? Yes, but it's still about a three to one ratio. Three buyers buyers to sellers. Yes. Three. Yes. In fact, I was doing a Facebook live earlier this week saying we're looking for sellers. We got so many buyers out there and, and just FYI listeners, we're um, kind of modifying some of the pricing models I have for listing homes so mm-hmm. there's a couple of different, you know, uh, levels based on how prepped your home already is yeah. uh, and ready to go on market. Because we, we do a really high-level concierge service for our customers. Right. But for those people who don't need that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you've sold before and you know all the right things. Or you just need a little bit of help where we're sure. providing you the tools and guidance on what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of very interesting, new, kind of tech-savvy ways for us to do that with oh, you. Oh, good. Yeah. And um, so, you know, anyone who's interested in learning more about that, you can send us an email at info at teamreba.com. We'll set up a meeting with you. But um, the reason why we're looking for that is because we see this buyer activity is just insane. Tons of multiple offers. I've mentioned this on a few different shows. Parts of Issaquah are still showing 75% of homes selling within a week or less. Mm-hmm. And for mm-hmm. at or over asking price. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had Snoqualmie recently where we were looking at the prices have gone up in one year 
about 20% for the, the most viable price points. So mm-hmm. basically 900K and under. Yeah. You know, yeah. So most of those homes in Snoqualmie Ridge are from about 600 up to 900. And then there's the million plus that are all by the golf course. And I'll tell you what, we're seeing homes with, while in good condition, basic, um, you know, they don't have the stone countertops, right? Mm-hmm. Those things are selling, they were selling in the sixes and sevens at the early part of 2020. But here at the end of 2020 and into early 2021, they're hitting the eights. They're wow. into almost to the mid eights now in wow. one year. Yeah, just in one year. Yeah, and, it's crazy. And this is really because we have a mm-hmm. pretty severe shortage of housing. Absolutely a know. shortage of housing. But We're seeing the same thing in Tacoma because I mean, it's all price points. Mm-hmm. Right, Tacoma, all your stuff between two fifty and seven fifty yeah, is going like hotcakes. Oh, yeah. way, way crazy! Yeah. And even the houses that need work, we're mm-hmm. seeing some of that happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, as, as long as they're in like a great location, they can't just be like, oh, it's a junker house in a not great location. Yeah, those still you know languishing on the market. Um, but even the million plus homes have picked back up though, because as you and I both know. Jumbo loans in the summertime and the spring were a little more difficult to get, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but those have opened up. Right. They have. Right. So, you know, I will just tell you, so let me just give the actual numbers for our listeners. And I know you're going to want to do a market rate update, but in the last seven days, and this is again, listeners, we're talking about a Northwest multiple listing service that serves now over 32 counties because they've added Walla Walla and a bunch of the Southeastern portion of the state Mm -hmm. and, you know, people that butt up to Idaho so we have more counties now, and there's 681 new listings in a week. Ooh, that's low. Very. That's scary. Very low. Remember yeah. when the start of COVID happened and you and, and they had the shutdown? Mm-hmm. You and I were looking at the numbers then, and it was 1,200. Right. 1,200, yeah. 1,300. It, and so we're half it, what can, those were. Can some of this be attributed to the holidays? A bit towards the holidays, but here's something else that's kind of interesting. 507 expired. Oh, really? In the same week. Yeah. So huh. these are people who were on through the holidays, yeah. but didn't sell. And then just didn't sell to And they off. expired. So now they, they may have yeah. overpriced because we do still mm-hmm. have, um, now the listing price reduced, I will say, because there has been the tightening of the market. That number was down to 241. Hmm. Remember, we were close, to, we broke 1,000. Right. Right before the holidays. So this is, you know, it's a big difference. And the pendings are 1,636. Okay. So about half of what they had been, Mm -hmm. but still well above the other numbers. Yeah. And then the listings sold actually is just slightly outpaced. But that's I think we had such a glut at the end of December that a bunch of them bumped into like the first week of January. So some of that's still showing up because this is a seven-day window. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's... It's expected that, you know, with spring coming, more will come on. But I will tell you, uh, there's still a lot of sellers out there that are worried about putting their house on the market because they think it's not going to sell. And I'm just telling you right now, if you've got a good product to put on market. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. If it's junk, you're uh, yeah. you're going to have trouble. But if it's a good home, good condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. It's, and, and especially if you're under that million dollar mark. My oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be. Hordes of buyers and out I there will, looking at it. Yeah. So if I can also just put this out there, because if you want to maximize your selling value, do yourself a favor and either kind of watch what you're saying to all your neighbors or walk into this with the mindset of, 
are you planning on doing a private sale versus trying to go on the open market? Mm-hmm. And the okay. reason why I say that, I have a great example right now of a client in Des Moines who they've been telling her, you know, people saw them move out, been talking, they've don't, they've lived in the same neighborhood for 50 years. Mm-hmm. All the neighbors are like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. And so they know that they recently moved into another house. Yeah. And I've already had two neighbors try and buy the house before we go on market. And I've already been working with these people since last spring. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's not like I haven't invested time into this whole thing. And it's not and it's not because I'm trying to get something great out of it. I know that for this older couple, this is, you know, part of their life savings is Mm -hmm. in this house. Right. Sure. And so I'm trying to help them maximize top dollar. Mm -hmm. And we've already had two neighbors, one of them who on Christmas Eve, his house burned down and he immediately contacted them. and was like, I want to buy your house. And then mm-hmm. lo and behold, as we dug into it, it was like, and I, and I told my clients, I said, you need to be careful because there's going to be insurance and we don't know this guy's financial viability. Mm-hmm. So we need to be mindful and yeah. ask the right questions because they were just looking at it as like, oh, this is our neighbor who we, we lived next to his parents for 50 years mm-hmm. till they passed. Yeah. And so they want to be kind, but I'm like. But he's probably not going to want to buy it for what we think we can sell it for. Right. And he's also going to potentially run into some financial issues along the way because of the burnt down house. So there's a big risk to go and get him under contract because he also wanted to move in and rent it before buying it. Right. So a lot of big question marks. So now I have another letter that I have to follow up on because another neighbor was like, hey, we have friends. They're trying to start a new foster family and we would love to have have them buy your house. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know yet whether these people have the financial wherewithal. So it's kind of a, you know, you have to be a little careful or at least know what you're trying to accomplish and what price you're looking yeah, for. Of course. Because there are still, as you know, lots of people out there trying to, you know, get in because they know that this situation is going on. They know there's mm-hmm. a shortage of inventory. And I don't I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them for trying to come in and get a better deal. But the thing I also know that comes with this type of situation is the lawsuits that can happen mm-hmm. because people are like, hey, you didn't tell me I might have been able to get this much money much more (laughs) right Right? so you know it's it's you know six of one half dozen of the other absolutely but it's a crazy market um you know and and um if you pick up the some of the financial news cbs uh, Mm -hmm. market watch uh, inman um there's lots of articles talking about affordability and how affordability is is um out the window there is just a a article from uh, from a CBS market watch saying homeownership became unaffordable for most Americans. I know you and I talked about that the other day yeah. as a topic for the show. Cause we were both like, what the Hey, yeah. like, come on. The thing is what um, this one came out from, there's a, there's a, a, a company called Adam ATTOM data that, um, mm-hmm. you know, puts out some of these reports. They've been consistently wrong um, on, on <laughs> their projections. Well, they, they projected that last year, 2020 home values would fall 6.6%. Uh, home values went up 8.2% yes, nationally. So so that's a little bit of a miss, uh, I mm-hmm. would say. And, uh, a uh, big, big swing <laughs> and a big, miss. A big old hurricane, huge miss. Yeah. But but what they're looking at is the median sales price of a home. So median meaning half the home sold for more than the median, half sold for less than the median. And then they're looking at the income from a uh, multi-income household. Well, that could include a, 
you know, a, a parent, maybe a 16 year old, um, you know, works part time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's how they're coming up with some of these slightly skewed statistics. So the low interest rates we have right now are keeping affordability at some of the best levels that we've ever experienced. So let me give you that real quick before we jump to a break. Actually, you know what? Do it when we come back. I'm going to do that when we come back. Yes. Because it's good news. And some I like even good better news. numbers than the last time. 2021 is starting out fantastic. We like start. that. That's yes. That's right. Let's I'm keep that it. rolling. All right. We're going to be right back. More Open House with Team Reba when we come back after just a couple real quick commercial messages. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1590. The answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. And we're here every Saturday from 2 to 3 o'clock bringing you information <laughs> on real estate and finance. I almost said Tuesday for some reason. Did you have to reason. think about that? I did. Our old show date? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, you cracked me up. Yes, we're here every Saturday from 2 to 3. We're also here on Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. and always on podcast. That's right. iHeartRadio seems to be the number one trending. It's um, been hitting the numbers. iTunes, yeah. Spotify. Mm-hmm. And Buzzsprout itself. Stitcher. Yes, Stitcher. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of them out there. So whatever your favorite podcasting method is, you can go for it. That's right. Just look up Open House with Team Reba. Yes. And you'll find over five years of content. I know. So there. many. So before the break, we're going to give a real quick update on interest yes, rates. And then I want to do, jump right into our, to our guest. Good news. Well, we are at 52-week low points for mortgage rates. and so Again? Again. We've hit, actually, we've hit records, broken records. All year. 12 times in, in the last 12 months. You know, it's they, they're just phenomenal. So, so it makes me think of that uh, Kroger commercial that Fred Meyer was. It's like when it's got that baby got low, 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 low. <laughs> like right. with the low prices. Like <laughs> you see the billboards around. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Those yeah. ads are awesome. They're, by the way, I just want to tell the Kroger the people how much I love yep, them. Yep, yep. <laughs> so here's where here's where I right now the national average for thirty year fixed rate conventional mortgage, two point. Seven six percent. Crazy talk. And uh, fifteen-year fixed rates are down to two point three one. Ah. FHA and VA two point two five. In fact, oh my I, I, I have a, a, a mutual client that is a veteran, and I just actually yeah. we're starting a, a VA streamline refinance where I don't need to do anything, nice. and we're in it at two point two five. She's nice. just thrilled. That's fabulous. Um, so jumbo thirty year fixed rates are also looking really good. Um, the national average right around three point one one. I think our company is a little bit lower than that right now. Even see, that's what we were just talking about in the last segment. Those million plus homes where you need to have those big jumbo. They've opened back up. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So may I also just have you mention one more time because of after you know Black Friday because I had this come up with my Snoqualmie customer the other day. Mm-hmm. Because he's talking to some other lender, and I'm trying to get him to talk to you. Yeah. And he was like, oh, and I'm in jumbo. And I went, well, did you talk to your lender about the recent update on what the jumbo number is? Oh, what the, what the loan limit yeah, is. Yeah, because it just went up. Right. It, it a sure few weeks did. Ago. Yeah. Statewide, the, the, the new limit between conventional and jumbo is $548,250, so just, un, just a little over five forty eight. But in P- King, Pearson, Snohomish County, that number has jumped. To seven hundred seventy six thousand two fifty. So if your if your loan amount is at or below seven seventy six two fifty, that is a conventional loan. You can buy a home with five percent down. 
if you go above that number, then it mm-hmm. becomes a jumbo loan, yep. and your down payments are going to be at a very minimum 10% down or, or more. Yeah, and the thing was, is my client, because he had been looking in the spring, had only 5% at the time, and now they've saved throughout this whole last year, and now they have 15%. And I went, well, if you're looking at like an 800,000, you know, home, you're under jumbo now. And he's like, what? No, no, I'm not. I'm like, have you talked to your lender? Like, you know, math, right? (laughs) So we talked, I told him it went to 776 and and he was like, oh, it did? I'm like, and then he and his wife had to have a conversation and it was like, wait, when did we talk to the lender last? And they're like, before Thanksgiving. A long time ago. And I was like, there you go. Everybody else on Black Friday, they're looking for sales and deals. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at what the new loan limits because they're always announced that's on Black Friday. That's because we're nerds. That's right. I like to <laughs> nerd out on that. Uh, exactly. Well, uh, speaking of, uh, nerds. we have somebody, no, we have somebody <laughs> nerds. On, on the line who is not a nerd. Um, I don't know. She might think she's a nerd. I, I like nerds. Well, I'm a big fan of nerds. Let's I find out. Yeah. Let's find out. So we have Casey McLean on the line with us with SR3, Sea um, Life Response. And thank you so much for joining us, Casey. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I will confirm I am a self-professing nerd. <laughs> well, there awesome. we go. All right. Okay, good, good, good. Well, I just figured with what you guys do, that might be a possibility, especially who you're hanging out with well, there. And, and I love it. I want to give a little bit of background. Please um, do. I, I, um, both Reba and I are very active uh, boaters, and, and I actually keep a boat down at the Des Moines Marina. Mm-hmm. And I've been driving by, you know, at first I... Uh, in the marina grounds, I saw a fence go up, and then I saw a, kind of a, a structure go in there, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on there? And then I saw these SR3 signs, mm-hmm. you know, pop up, and I'm like, there's something cool going on there. And then I see <laughs> tanks and whatnot. And so, not like military no, tanks. No, no. These are like <laughs> fish tanks. Like yes, big, big. large. Like so, swimming pools. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, so, so tell us, um, uh, Casey, about, about your organization. Yeah, absolutely happy to. So SR3 is a small nonprofit, and we are building Washington's first marine animal hospital. Love it. So it's much like a veterinary hospital, but strictly for marine animals. And it can, it will treat anything from a sea turtle to a large sea lion, even a small dolphin. So all these different kinds of amazing marine wildlife we have around here, if they are sick or injured, this is a place they can come, be rehabilitated, and go back out to the ocean for a second chance at life. So... The name SR3 actually stands for Sea Life Response Rehab and Research, right? Correct. And that covers our three different programs. So the hospital is just one aspect of what we do, but we also work in the field or, you know, out on the ocean doing research, primarily with southern resident killer whales, but lots of other species too. And we also respond to entangled whales, typically usually humpbacks or gray whales, to help mm-hmm. free them from that entanglement. Okay. Oh, I can totally understand that. And I, I mean, I've, I've seen out there um, boating. If I'm out crabbing, I was up there this summer and I had a gray whale follow me for probably an hour and a half, you know, oh while, I'm, while I'm dropping crab pots. And I'm like, well, that's why <laughs> I know. I'm like, what's this guy doing? And I think that of course my pots attract fish. And then that, that you have all kinds of good stinky in, stuff oh, in there. Good and stinky. Yeah. So that brought, brought in the, I, I'm, I'm guessing that's why the whale was there, but I could sure see how, you know, entanglements could happen mm-hmm. very, very easily. Yeah, I saw a. Do. Yeah, I saw a fascinating video. I think it was a year ago at my yacht club because we had another organization in that was showing because uh, there was like a response group around it, and maybe it's actually even you guys, but it That's was. Us. Oh <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'm at Rainier Yacht Club, and you guys came and did yeah, the most fascinating program. 
And everyone in our club was just stunned and so impressed about what you guys do. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm super excited to have you on here because of that. Well, thanks. We really appreciate it. Like I said, we're a small nonprofit, so getting the word out about who we are and what we do is really important to us. So we appreciate the opportunity to share with your audience. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, um, I actually did a Facebook Live where I was kind of talking about the fact that you were going to come on the show. I I sort of compared you to Pause, (laughs) but just for sea life. Well, because everyone here knows who Pause is. And I'm hopeful that people will get to know your organization in that same way. Right. Absolutely. That's definitely what we're hoping for. And that's not a bad comparison to help people understand about wildlife rehabilitation, because that is what we're doing. We just specialize in only marine mammals, whereas pause the whole gamut of, you know, baby birds to bears and all kinds of stuff. So Mm -hmm. we don't uh, do that many animals because what we do is very highly niched and you know, we have to have a lot of space for these animals. They're quite large sometimes. Mm-hmm, and sure. also it takes a lot of specialized training and knowledge because marine mammals are very different. Mm-hmm. They don't act or behave the same way. And if you perform certain procedures or surgeries on them, it's completely different from helping a bear. I can only imagine. And now in, in SR3, is there, there's another, I, I, I was trying to read your website and a little while ago here, and there's a California operation as well, or is that affiliated with you? Uh, it's not, but we are all part of the West Coast Marine Mammal Stranding Network. Okay. And okay. so there's actually eight different facilities in California, I believe it is. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, they have lots of different rehabilitation facilities, and there's a lot of volunteers that are part of that stranding network, too, that if you as a citizen call in and say, hey, there's this animal that's injured, there are different groups that will go out to check and see what's going on and see if the animal really needs help. And then they would call a group like SR3 or another rehabilitation facility if they need to bring the animal in for care. Gotcha. But you're the only one in Washington, right? Right. So PAWS can help a small number of harbor seal pups. And there's another facility in the San Juan Islands that can also help some harbor seal pups. Okay. But as far as helping anything larger, um, a, you know, a big sea lion or, you know, an adult sea otter, things like that, there will be certain animals mm-hmm. that historically have not had anywhere to go that will now be able to get that second chance. Yeah, I'm even looking at your website and there's a, well, I guess it's you treating a, I'd never heard of this term, cold stunned sea turtle. <laughs> was that yeah, that is me yeah i am a veterinary nurse as well and i've founded this organization out of my passion to see these animals get some help but yeah a cold stun sea turtle so sea turtles like to be warm they like their water like 75 to 85 mm-hmm. and as they follow the warm water currents up the coast from mm-hmm. california mm-hmm. they will often get blown inshore and our waters are about 55 degrees. Ah, got it. <laughs> they get okay. blown out of their warm water current into these really cold waters, and they just go what I call limp noodle turtle. They're just, they don't dive, they don't eat, they can get hit by boats, they get pneumonia, all kinds of things. Because they're cold-blooded. They're not being right, do. yeah. Right, so they can't regulate their own body temperature, so they are the temperature of the water, and they're just kind of frozen turtle. And they wash up on shore, and that is a life-or-death emergency, and they need immediate help. Well, that's good to hear that you you are mentioning that, because if someone were to, like, I wouldn't know that, just just in general. I mean, I like, I know that they're cold-blooded, but I would see one and probably think, oh, I didn't know we had sea turtles up here, and and we don't. (laughs) Right, yes. So that that would be a great indication to to get, get on the phone and call you guys. 
Hey, yeah, uh, absolutely. We do a lot of education and outreach to help people understand what's normal with our wildlife and when it just needs to be left alone and resting. They do, uh, not turtles, but seals and sea lions seals. rest on our beaches sometimes. Mm-hmm. They, they're fine. You know, they're just resting versus, you know, if you see a sea turtle, that should not be there. Call someone immediately. Mm. I'm glad you mentioned that because I've, I've you know, cautioned people that are walking down the beach. They see a seal pup, yeah. you know, laying on the beach. And they, they want to pick it up. They want to take it somewhere. They want to take somewhere. a selfie. Yeah, they do. <laughs> right, take a selfie. You know. But, but there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, I don't want to say ignorance, but a lack of knowledge about, about those no, animals. That's true. And um, so with, with education, are, are, are there things that, uh, like Reba's involved in, in, a, you know, uh, in a yacht club, I'm involved in boating you know, communities, are there anything that, that we can do as, as, as you know, ordinary schmugs out there to kind of get the word out? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, social media is so powerful in our world these days, especially since we can't be close with each other. But I think, you know, sharing anything that you're learning, sharing the messages from groups that are helping people to understand what's normal yeah. and what's not is very well, important. Well, hold okay. that thought. We're going to take a real quick break here, and then we're going to be back in just a minute more. We're going to dive house back in. Team Reba. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1580. The answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. This is Reba House with Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And right Eric, on it. You're right on it. Eric Oz is here from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. You almost made me do a boo-boo. <laughs> you were jumping the gun, mister. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have a fascinating guest, and I love this topic because I'm, as you said, we're both boaters, but one of the things that, for me, makes boating so special is being on the water and communing with nature. Mm-hmm. And we are just so gifted in this area with all the marine life that we have and other wildlife out on you know on the shores. And that's, I think, the thing that most people in the boating community or anyone who lives near water really loves is feeling like you can, can connect, you know, and there's this sense of awe that happens when you see some of these majestic beasts you know, in their natural state. And I'm just, I'm so thrilled to have you here, Casey. Um, before we went into the break, we were talking about how can we get the word out, but you know, how, how do you guys get your funding? Let's, let's maybe talk a little bit about that because you are a nonprofit and you know, we asked whether or not you had any fundraisers going on, but how do you guys get your funding? Cause you're brand new. We are relatively young. I actually started this endeavor back in 2011, very wow. grassroots organization. And we didn't uh, get to where we were doing our field programs until about 2016. Okay. We were able to bring on employees. So still fairly young as far as being an operating organization. And all of our funding comes from private donations and grants. So it's really our community that is making this happen, which is really special to me because, as you mentioned, People here are just so passionate about our marine life, and we're very connected to our marine life, and our health is connected to the health of the Salish Sea. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love all of that, and that's why we just love how people support us. Yeah, we had um, actually a water scientist from the city of Seattle on the show a couple of years back because we were talking about how with all the growth here, what has mm-hmm. the runoff and all these other connections into our systems do you know what's it doing to Puget mm-hmm. Sound itself and so this is great that we have like the next connection of it of you know you working within that environment now um, and you know being able to to educate people on on what they can do to help keep it safer and more healthy and 
and then keeping those animals safe because, you know, frankly, us humans are probably like the worst thing on the planet, <laughs> I hate to say. <laughs> we're not good for the marine life. We're, we're not good for much of anything, really, <laughs> except for <Yeah>. populating. <laughs> and that's what rehabilitation really is all about, is understanding what's affecting these animals, mm-hmm. because what's affecting them is also affecting human health. Yes. We might not be swimming in the Puget Sound. Well, some of us are swimming in the Sound yeah. every day, but <laughs> most of us aren't. Sometimes and, inadvertently. You know, we're <laughs> yes, we're eating fish from there just like they are. Yep. So we are truly connected. Um, one example is a recent study learned that harbor seals are showing some antibiotic resistance. Well, yes. harbor huh. seals aren't out there taking antibiotics, so mm-hmm. they're getting it from the fish. Well, if they're getting it from the fish, it's possible that we are too. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of connection there. When you say antibiotics, I, you're, they're getting it from the fish, meaning farmed fish? Or or just the um, fish are picking it up from the water? Fish are getting it from the water. It's going mm-hmm. through the food chain. So yeah, it's yeah. getting into the water because humans are excreting it. It's mm-hmm. going through the oh, filtration system. And yeah. they're dumping it, it in their out. toilets. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when yeah. we had the water scientist on, he was saying that right. there's still people dumping things yeah. in their toilets. The storm when they drains. Shouldn't. You know, we're yeah. getting a lot of that from the storm drains. Um, um, wow. What, what do you see as the, is kind of looking forward? Now, I know you haven't officially opened yet. Um, so I guess first question, when, when are you opening? <laughs> well, we did start construction last January. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine what happened when COVID hit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. But we have pressed forward, and we are looking at opening at the end of this month. If all continues oh, well for these last wonderful. things, we're finishing up. <laughs> okay, wow. so when you're having your official opening, how will you be doing that in this land of COVID? <laughs> right? I know. I wish I could say we we're just going to throw open the doors and everybody can come in and check it out. But like you mentioned, it's, that's just not possible these days. So we will definitely be doing some virtual uh, grand openings, I guess I'll call them, mm-hmm. and several different time so people can really get on and and experience what's going to be going on in the hospital and see everything and ask questions really want to make it engaging to the community because this is a facility that will be about you know 80 percent volunteer run with 20 percent staff oh wow this is something where people can come in and get some experience of helping with ocean conservation wow so go ahead oh go ahead yeah i was going to ask so okay so if you're going to have so much volunteer it, are you looking for more volunteers right now to assist over time and to get trained? Always, yeah. I mean, it's obviously right now we're not doing any big volunteer training, but we will start to do that as we get into our spring and summer care. We may have to limit the numbers this year depending on what's going on. But, yes, there's always a need for volunteers, whether that's helping prepare food or helping with feedings and cleaning there's lots of cleaning of course Mm -hmm. but even things admin help and helping us out if we're going out on a rescue on the beach there's all kinds of things people can do to help i even noticed you have an ambulance parked uh, in the lot now as well (laughs) that is our mobile triage unit so if an animal needs um, to be picked up or transported somewhere we're able to put them in there and provide medical care on the way we can do bedside blood work. You know, there's oxygen. There's all kinds of different, much like a human ambulance, right? You can right. be treated on your travel. And we have taken that all the way down to California to transport patients before. So sometimes oh, wow. it's oh, a long haul. Yeah. Be- yeah. Because am, am I correct that most of, most of well, you mentioned sea turtles, but I imagine most of the animals you're treating are, are mammals or they're, they're air breathers, right? Yes. Yes. We are the only other thing we are treating that's not a mammal is a sea turtle. Okay, gotcha. 
Gotcha. What do you see as the biggest um, sort of, I guess, your, your biggest customer or patient, you know, as you look forward? <laughs> do you mean by volume or yeah. by size? And, and are, do they have Medicare and Medicaid? <laughs> if only. Yeah. I was going to say Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Blue Water, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, is it seals or? Numbers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would say by numbers, it would be seals or sea lions. That's just, and those are the highest um, numbers of animals that you see around the Salish Sea. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, um, there's other animals, you know, dolphins and mm -hmm. small, small dolphins and whales. When they wash up on shore, a lot of times they're already deceased mm -hmm. or they're in such bad condition that the most humane thing to do is to euthanize them. Mm -hmm. So we do, we do have to do that sometimes. And, you know, it's not our favorite part of our job, but no. being able to help an animal that's suffering is what we're all about. Right. Right. So, you know, it's actually interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you even make that comment because I, I have to say as boaters, um, Eric, I'm assuming you're in some of this. I'm on a bunch of different Facebook groups that are about like Puget Sound boating and other boating mm -hmm. forums and whatnot. And I remember someone was making a comment the other day about a seal and then a bunch of very negative commentary came on. Mm -hmm. about like well let it die and i thought oh my gosh you know like i i don't ever want to be in your family mm -hmm. like if that's how you're <laughs> treating this creature that's clearly in distress like holy cow you know like you're eating right. the salmon too buddy right you know like cut it out <laughs> that's right and that's a that's a you know a problem around here and it is something we do try and address often when we can help people remember that, you know, these animals were almost once extinct in this area due to hunting programs. Mm -hmm. They really and truly, their numbers have just come back up to what they were prior to that. So it's not that they're overpopulated. It's not that there's too many of them. It's that the environmental factors over the past 20 to 30 years have changed dramatically mm -hmm. um, due, to, due to all the things we do as humans. So right. Right. We do feel that there's a sense of responsibility if an animal is suffering due to human impact, whether that be a boat hit, mm -hmm. a fish hook, or some disease or toxin they've gotten because of what we're putting into the water, yeah. then we should be providing them a second chance. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm so pleased about what it is that you're doing, Casey. Thank you. so. I, I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was growing up. And, I did too. And it yeah. was the hardest. <laughs> well, and especially like it, it hit me like in my soul when you made the comment of like, you know, taking an animal out of suffering because part of the reason I didn't go into veterinary care was back when I was growing up, uh, my parents took, took me to our local vet and they were going to get me a job there. And the vet asked me, he's like, would you be okay putting down a fully healthy animal? And I was like, no. And this is before right. no kill shelters and things like that. Right. And he walked me through what sometimes he had to do. And I was so heartbroken. I'm like, I can't do that. Like, it's not even right. possible for me. Now, I get it in the humane sense of it. Um, right. You know, I 100% respect and appreciate that. And I think mm -hmm. one of the things that, um, and maybe this, you know, I've only recently found out that I actually have some Native American in, in my bloodline. And I've always had, you know, like, issues like, I know Eric here loves to go and dump his crab pots and all that. And I've always had, like, while I find it delicious, I struggle putting the crab in the pot. Oh, yeah. But a friend right. of mine who's been um, involved with, you know, uh, Native American culture for a very long time, uh, she finally said to me, she goes, you know, in Native culture, we, we thank 
the being for its spirit and what it's about to provide for us. And that has actually mm-hmm. helped me kind of change my mindset around that. Mm-hmm. But I do, I feel like a, a natural affinity to a lot of these types of things. And, and I so appreciate what it is that you're doing and want to show full support for that. You mentioned um, grants and foundations and things like that. And there are a wonderful list of organizations on your website. But there's also merchandise. Like if someone individually wants to get involved, there's great merchandise on your website too. Yeah, we do. We have a few things from shirts to cups to adoption kits, which are really special because that does help provide the care for the animals that we'll be seeing. Um, And then you can actually even become what we call a wave maker, which is a monthly donor. And there are some special behind the scenes benefits you get with that. Obviously, once COVID, right? um, Yes, such a such a thing in our world. But yes, so there's lots of different ways to contribute. We also, as I mentioned, incredibly value people's time that they're able to give to the organization. So there's just lots of ways to get involved. So I want to make sure our listeners know where to go to to look at this. So your website says clifer3.org. And so there is a lot of information there, including the adoption kits, information about the program. Um, we're going to have to go into a break here again in just a minute, though, Casey. But I, we have one more segment of the show. Would you be willing to stay around a few more minutes and talk about some of the other people who are because I saw this great laundry list of people who are helping, and it's a pretty impressive set of veterinarians and doctors. So can you stay with us a minute? Okay. All right. Well, let us get off to our messaging that we have to do, and then we will be right back on Open House with Team Reba. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1580, The Answer. Back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. Well, thanks for listening in today. And I'm really happy to have our guest on today, Casey McLean from SR3 Marine Response. Executive Director and Veterinary Nurse. (laughs) And a nerd, we're told, as well. So... Yes. Self-described nerd. I got to love it. Got to love it. Thank you so much, Casey. That's right. You know, um, Casey, on previous shows, Reba and I have have sort of talked about this with the advent of COVID. There there were some changes out on the water as well. So people were not traveling to different locations for vacations. So Mm -hmm. a lot of folks buying boats or RVs, things mm-hmm. like that, but boats especially. Yeah. And and I noticed it, you know, distinctly this summer, the number of boats out on the water went way up, and yep. and the number of knuckleheads out there just <laughs> went, went up exponentially. Up <laughs> uh, well, we've got folks that have never been out on the water. Number one, they don't understand navigation rules. They don't understand the rules of the road out there. But they're also not paying attention to what's going on in the water. And uh, anybody that's, you know, been out on Puget Sound, you can be running up the sound. And if you're not watching, all of a sudden you're right on top of a, a, a pot of dolls porpoises, for instance. Yes. You know, they're the ones. They're prolific out there. Mm-hmm. And um, I can see how easy – or seals, they're everywhere. And I can mm-hmm. see how easy it could be to have, have um, boat strikes and yeah. prop hits and all of that. So that's just kind of my little – 10 cents worth in there. Pay attention, folks, when you're out there. I I couldn't agree with you more because my horrific uh, ex story I have about boating is we hit something once and he kept trying to tell me it was a bird. And I went, that was more than a bird. And he just wouldn't go Mm. back to look at what whatever he had done because he was just too busy to go somewhere fast. And it was just like I, I was horrified. 
And I know when you guys came and did a presentation at Rainier Yacht Club, um, that the issue of entanglements was, you know, I know you wanted to bring that back up again. And I really would like you to because I got to see that presentation, but I'd love for our listeners to hear why it's so key that you do the work that you're doing. And you actually have someone who that's their specified role. Yeah, uh, Doug Sandilens is our entanglement response specialist. He has many, many years of working on the East Coast with the whales that become entangled and freeing them from it. So he's done that for a long time, and we are really fortunate to be able to hire him on to kind of grow the program out on the West Coast. And he's done a fabulous job. One of the things that he spent a lot of time doing is working with boaters and fishermen. A lot of people assume that, oh, well, you must be completely against fishing. And that's just not true. Fishermen are not out to catch whales. They don't set gear illegally to hurt whales or anything like that. So they are one of our biggest allies to figuring out how do we fix this problem so that they don't lose their gear and whales don't become hurt. Yeah, that's so, so important. How how does that work typically? So you get a, a is there a, is it the Coast Guard or somebody call you and say, hey, we've got a entangled whale how do, how do you get there and how do you how do you handle that yeah so it might be the coast guard reporting it but generally it's coming from either a recreational boater or a fisherman um, spotting the animal that is entangled and, and calling in for some help it's really important that people who are not authorized by the federal government it does take an authorization to do this work and you know who don't have any experience don't attempt to disentangle the whale it's best to just wait until a specialized team such as ours can arrive to help it out because it mm-hmm. is very complicated. A lot of people think, oh, you just reach back there and cut the buoy off. But these animals are very wrapped up. Think mm-hmm. of like those Christmas lights that you just tried to disentangle. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. put them on, put that on a whale underwater. It's very, very complicated and dangerous. So it's best people don't realize they got too close. And then the entanglement, mm-hmm. it's, uh, the gear can get stuck in your boat props and all kinds of things. Oh, so. big time. Yeah. yeah. No, the, I remember Definitely. one of the things that you guys kind of suggested was a almost like how you talk with the police if it's like a just watch and report, don't get yes. involved mm-hmm. <laughs> type of yes. approach. Yeah, take photos, take video, <laughs> yes. call in. But yes, please don't get involved. Um, it's just for your own safety and for the safety of the whale because people are calling because they want the animal to get the help that it needs. Mm-hmm. So the best thing is to wait Um And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that entanglement happens to about 70% of whales at some point in their life. That doesn't mean that they all die from it, but they're getting entangled. And, again, it just is becoming more of an issue due to the amount of gear that's in the water. Mm -hmm. It's typically not illegal activities, and it's something we need to work towards to figure out how do we have sustainable fisheries Mm -hmm. and also have – healthy whale population well and it's a good reminder to our listeners that whether you have a boat or you know friends who have boats don't just toss things overboard Mm because like people might get you know lines or all kinds of stuff that's and they just think oh just toss it you know Mm -hmm. not take it back to shore with me and because i mean you see things that get washed up all the time on the shores and you just think why didn't you know now granted there's storms there's things that get turned over there's you know other reasons things could end up in the water but when you have a actual choice Take it in. Be like if you're up on a glacier. You know, pack it in, pack it out. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I keep my net handy. You know, I'm constantly netting things out of the water. Yeah. That, you know, coming out of a marine or something like that. You see junk floating around. It's like, ah, uh, it's annoying <laughs> you know, to see all of that. Ocean debris is one of the biggest challenges out there. It's it's affecting 
everything in the marine food chain down to the tiniest shrimp having mm-hmm. microplastics. And exactly. so, you know, typically with these whales, it is fishing gear and active fishing gear that is causing the issue. But that doesn't mean that ocean debris and, you know, ghost gear and things like that mm-hmm. aren't big problems as well. Wow. Excellent. Well, uh, so, uh, Casey, what can what can people do if they'd like to get involved, like to volunteer or like to donate? Yeah, we'd love that. Our website that uh, you gave out earlier, yeah, you can go to sr3.org as well. That will also take you to our website. Okay. And you can donate right there. The merchandise is there to purchase. You can also sign up to volunteer. And once you sign up, you will start to get notices once we start having those orientations and training sessions for volunteers. Excellent. Okay. And I, I actually just was kind of scrolling through your gift store and I think I might have just put an order in for a few things. So it's I, awesome. I'm actually ordering your holiday <laughs> cards because even though, seriously, I'm, I'm on your website right now ordering holiday cards. I'm getting two packs because even though it's just early, you know, January right now, these are like these really cute, like, have, you know, it's like, I, I can't even remember what the cards actually say, but they're, they're adorable because they're not necessarily tied to Christmas. They're more New Year's focused. Right. So it's yeah. like new blue year, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, these are so cute. I have so many people I could send these to. <laughs> so, I'm to have some good puns in there. I know you guys like puns. <laughs> well, that's exactly. And the thing is, is like because I'm a part of the Yacht Club, I'm currently Vice Commodore. And so I have a whole class of people at other yacht clubs throughout Puget Sound that I'm going to send these Perfect. to yeah. so I can alert them Love to it. your organization. Well, we should also put on, on the, the site – there's there's some phone numbers uh, for reporting a, yes. a, a, a stressed distressed animal, so it looked like yeah. I and I see three numbers on here. So I see the West Coast Marine Mammal Stranding Network, eight six six seven six seven six one one four. I also see NOAA has a Fisheries Entanglement Reporting Hotline, so that's eight seven seven SOS Whale. And, uh, right, so that's what you call for the entangled whales. Okay, gotcha. And then the other number is what you would call if you see maybe a harbor seal or a sea lion or other marine mammals that need help. Okay, okay. gotcha. And then I saw a third one for sea otters, or can they use either one of those? Um, you could use the first number for sea otters as well. It will get routed to the correct okay. place. Uh, yeah. Sea otters are regulated by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, so there is another number. But fortunately, we all talk. So we'll make sure the call gets to the right location. The first number you mentioned, the hotline, the stranding hotline network, the beauty of that number is regardless of where you are in Washington mm-hmm. um, or anywhere, actually, it will route you to the closest stranding network. Oh, perfect. Oh, I'm, that's awesome. I'm going to program that into my phone. That's a great you know, one. So yeah, because you're out, on the sound all the time. Yeah, if I'm out on the water, I can just, you know, kind of speed dial that, you know, if I see that come up. So Love it. Usually the strandings I see are more kayakers <laughs> than <laughs> anything else. Um, That's a totally different department. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one, yeah, they're on their own. <laughs> so, yep. That's right. U.S. Coast Guard. That's right. Well, Casey, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, today. And, and I learned a lot and, and really look forward to kind of watching your uh, facility grow here over the over the, the years looking forward. And folks, boy, do anything you can to help support this group. They're, they're good ones. They're doing good stuff. Yep. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Well, thanks so much again. And I uh, hope this is a... A good show for you all, our listeners. Join us every Saturday, 2 o'clock, your open house with Team Reba. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at Remax Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. 
Join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for more Open House with Team Reba here on AM 1590. The answer. The preceding program was sponsored by Team Reba of REMAX Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services.